Hi, I'm Dan Jones. And I'm Mia Lee, and we are the editors of Modern Love at The New York Times and co-hosts of the Modern Love podcast. We read love stories for a living. And by love stories, we mean essays written by real people about all forms of human connection. We're talking about everything from first dates to funerals, from sibling rivalries to new love at 85. On our show, we're going to bring those stories to life. We'll hear from the writers and also from the people who are written about. Relationships are the most important things in our lives. And the people that tell us their stories are just so brave, like way braver than I think I am most of the time. Yeah. They're so honest and so vulnerable. And listening to the stories, I feel like you absorb so much wisdom and you get a sense that you're not alone. You can follow Modern Love wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. We hope you'll join us. New episodes are out every Wednesday. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is The Deal. Today. The dossier is back in the news. Why the Trump administration says new reporting that the Clinton campaign helped fund it is evidence that the entire Russia investigation is all just politics. And a rare on-the-record conversation with the president's lawyer about the investigation. It's Monday, October 30th. Ken Vogel has been reporting on the origins of the dossier for The Times. Ken, I want to talk about why the dossier is back in the news. First of all, remind us what dossier even was. Yeah, the dossier is a series of memos written at the behest of this uh, Washington, D.C.-based opposition research firm called Fusion GPS. They hired a former British spy, a guy by the name of Christopher Steele, to look into Donald Trump's finances, his campaign team, and most importantly, both of their ties to Russia. The bombshell burst Tuesday evening. Classified documents on Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. election presented last week to President Obama and to President-elect Trump included allegations that Russian operatives claimed to have compromising personal and financial information about Mr. Trump. It should never have been released, but I read what was released, and I think it's a disgrace. I think it's an absolute disgrace. The website BuzzFeed then published a 35-page cache of memos from the alleged dossier, including a claim of sexual activity caught on a Moscow hotel room surveillance camera. It's all fake news. It's phony stuff. It didn't happen. And it was gotten by opponents of ours. So investigators for both the special counsel, Robert Mueller, and the House and Senate Intelligence Committees have actually been exploring the claims made in the dossier and have made efforts to interview Christopher Steele. Uh, he has rebuffed the congressional committee's efforts to interview him, but he did reportedly sit for an interview with investigators from Mr. Mueller's team uh, over the summer. So we do know that even as many of the, the most salacious allegations and, and many of the other allegations in the dossier remain unconfirmed, it is something that investigators are acutely interested in. Okay. So why, after all these months of the dossier's existence being revealed and everyone from the special counsel to Congress investigating it, is it now back 
in the news. It's back in the news in large part because Republicans want it back in the news. <laughs> and they have found an angle to bring it back into the news, which is the financing of the dossier. That is, <laughs> who funded the research that led to the dossier. They believe that if they could show that this was Democrats, that it would undermine the entire credibility of right. the dossier. So we had the chairman, the Republican chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, actually send a subpoena to attempt to extract the financial records of the opposition research firm that funded the dossier to show who paid them to do mm -hmm. the research. That subpoena would have actually had a deadline of Monday morning. And in the days before that, we saw two people who funded or groups that funded Fusion GPS's research into Trump come forward voluntarily and wow. say, hey, we did this. And one of them, the first one to come forward, was in fact the law firm that represented both Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign and the Democratic National Committee. Republicans seized on that like a gift from the heavens that they could use to hmm. undermine not just the dossier, but the entire Russia investigation. Only a few days later, Another funder came forward, and it was a conservative website funded by a major Republican donor who was opposed to Donald Trump during the primary. <laughs> that kind of complicated the issue a great deal because you had funders on both sides of the aisle behind the research that at least partly led to this dossier. Got it. The president has been on a tweet storm. Fired up over what he calls a lack of investigations into Hillary Clinton, specifically citing several examples. He uh, mentioned the now infamous dossier that was produced by Fusion GPS, which uh, was hired by the Clinton campaign to find opposition research into then-candidate Trump. He also mentions this uh, Russian uranium deal in which he accuses Hillary Clinton of taking bribes from Russians for a favorable uh, uranium mining company deal that was made during her tenure as Secretary of State. So he goes on Trump on Sunday in his tweets seems to be saying if Clinton money is responsible in any way for the dossier, and if the dossier is fueling the Russia investigation, then the whole thing is deeply suspect. But that would mean that the Russia investigation being conducted by Robert Mueller is highly reliant on the dossier. So... Do we know if that's the case? We don't know how central the dossier is to, to Mueller's investigation. And in fact, early indications are that they're really going down their own route. And maybe this could sort of inform some of the stuff that they would do. But it's not like they would bring charges based on something in this unverified dossier. Mm -hmm. They're doing their homework. They're, they're some of the top litigators, investigators and prosecutors uh, in the country. And, and they're not going to bring flimsy charges just because a piece of opposition research made them. Finally, Ken, I want to ask you about another aspect of the Mueller investigation that's in the news right now. CNN has reported that indictments are pending for a couple of former members of the Trump campaign team based on information turned up by Mueller's team. It is a landmark moment in the investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 election. Sources briefed on the matter say a federal grand jury in Washington approved the first charges in the investigation led by special counsel Robert Mueller. A spokesman for the special counsel's office declined to comment. The indictments are sealed, but plans are underway for anyone charged to be taken into custody as soon as Monday. How does that connect to all of this? That would seem to suggest that there is some real validity to the overall investigation after all. Yeah, well, certainly some of the, the folks who have find themselves most in Mueller's crosshairs 
Paul Manafort, the former campaign chairman, Michael Flynn, the former national security advisor, both for the administration and for the campaign. They are characters in the dossier, Hmm. but they have both um, attempted to pour cold water on the claims made about them in the dossier. That said, we do understand that Mueller is closing in on them. And so it would stand to reason that if he is going to bring charges against them in the near future, uh, that we would learn a lot more about the degree to which hmm. the dossier and the charges in the dossier are actually central to this investigation. And we'd learn the extent to which anything they're caught up in connects to the president and other members of the team, presumably. Yeah, that's really the key question here. And there's a lot of thinking that the the areas in which they had the most exposure being their compliance or lack thereof with the Foreign Agents Registration Act, with money laundering rules, with potential tax evasion, that those things were not really directly related to the president, but Mm -hmm. rather were being used to try to get them to give up information that would be more directly related to potential wrongdoing or collusion between the Russians and the the Trump team. If you see an indictment of either of those two, it does suggest to some extent that the focus is on them. And, you know, it doesn't it doesn't foreclose the possibility that they might then also give up something that could be used to implicate Trump or Trump's team. But it does suggest that they are targets unto themselves, independent Mm -hmm. of the ability to bring it closer to Trump. Ken Vogel, thank you very much. Yeah, it was a pleasure. After the break, how the president's lawyer is talking about the investigation. We'll be right back. Tubi is the free streaming service that lets you watch your favorite movies and shows for free. So break free from subscriptions with Tubi and get instant access to thousands of movies and TV shows, always free. From blockbuster movies, nostalgic favorites, and binge-worthy reality TV, to black cinema, Spanish language, and LGBTQ films, Tubi has everything you need. So download Tubi now and watch free. Late last week, the day after The Times reported on the Clinton campaign's involvement in the dossier, my colleague Matt Apuzzo went to meet with the president's top lawyer in dealing with the Mueller investigation, Ty Cobb. If you've heard Cobb's name, it's probably from a few weeks back when Ken Vogel was last on the show, after he overheard Cobb talking about the investigation while eating lunch at a D.C. steakhouse. Certainly I look over my shoulders for uh, Ken Vogel now. On the other hand, you know, politics and particularly Politics and legal investigations, you know, they're contact sports. And, you know, if you're if you can't take a couple of punches, you know, and still show up, you know, you're in the wrong game. On Thursday, Cobb spoke to Apuzo about how that investigation looks these days from inside the White House. How's the process going? I mean, how would you characterize? I'd say it's going going quite well. I apologize. Didn't mean to interrupt your question. No, I'd say it's going, uh, you know, quite well. Now I think they're in a position where. They've got the documents that they need and that uh, interviews are underway. And I think they're trying to do this as expeditiously as possible. Why was Ty Cobb brought in for this role in the first place by President Trump? What's his area of legal expertise and how is it helpful here? So Ty's an experienced white-collar lawyer. He worked for one of the biggest firms in the country, Hogan and Levels, and he represented major corporations. He represented people who got wrapped up in corruption investigations, really complicated white-collar investigations. And in the end, that's what this is. This is a really complicated Mm -hmm. 
white-collar investigation involving a lot of documents and a lot of potential witnesses on sensitive topics. And so he he's done this. He's a guy in D.C. who's known as being able to do this. Hmm. You've seen now, if not all, certainly most of the documents and, uh, that have gone from the White House to the special counsel. If tomorrow those all those documents were made public or they were you know reported in the New York Times and people could see what you've seen about what the White House has given Bob Mueller, what story would that tell? What would they see? I think it would be uh, a much smaller story than I read in the New York Times yesterday uh, about the Clinton campaign and the DNC. You know, I think that what they'll see is what I think Senator Feinstein characterized as, you know, no evidence of collusion and— I believe that uh, the story will be that the president was mistreated and that the excuse of Russia undoing Mrs. Clinton and the millions that it's cost the taxpayer in terms of a special counsel were uh, sad events in American history. He's not behaving as a lawyer would behave if he had deep concerns that the White House was sitting on some explosive document that would unravel the presidency. Hmm. So there's a certain level of confidence. This is not an inexperienced lawyer. So he he clearly feels like when this all shakes out, the president's going to be fine. That is both a thing you say as a lawyer, but you also have to read a lawyer's body language and also read what his actions are showing you. And he has staked a posture that has said, this will all be fine. Matt, what was Cobb's reaction to the prospect that these former members of the president's campaign team, Paul Manafort and Michael Flynn, may be indicted in the coming days? And how does that fit into the kind of confidence you're describing? I asked, I said, hey, if if Bob Mueller charges these guys, that puts pressure on them to give information against the president, right? To cooperate, get a better deal. So I think the president has been clear on this, although it's, I think it's sort of underreported that I think he would be sad for them as a, a friend and a former colleague if uh, process results in, uh, you know, punishment or indictments. But to the extent that that happens, that's beyond his control. And obviously, he's not trying to influence that in any way. But the president has no concerns in terms of uh, any impact as to what happens to them on on his campaign or on the White House. Basically, they don't have anything to give that, you know, that implicates the president in anything wrong. It's wholly independent of the process that the White House is engaged in. And this might be an ignorant-sounding question, but how can Ty Cobb know that? So that's, that's not an ignorant question. That's a great question. So his job is to find out both in— emails and contemporaneous documents, and then obviously in conversations with people who were around the president at the time, and in conversations with President Trump's private lawyers and the campaign's lawyers and the people who were in the campaign to try, his job is to try to understand the universe of what what was going on both in the campaign and in the White House. So if he ends up getting surprised, then something has gone wrong, right? I mean, as a good lawyer, you want to try to minimize your surprises. Hmm. Now, we've been talking about the documents that Ty Cobb has to find and hand over to the special prosecutor when Robert Mueller asks for them. What are these documents? 
Exactly. We're talking about emails, text messages if they exist, notes, memos, things that were created at key moments in the Trump presidency. The decision to fire Jim Comey. You know, Jim Comey, the FBI director, kept contemporaneous notes that said the president told him to drop the investigation into Michael Flynn. Right. Mueller wants to see, all right, what records do you have on that? Why did you fire him? Did you fire him because he wouldn't shut down the, the Russia investigation? This is because you reminded me of the obstruction of justice. Is Ty Cobb confident that there will be no charges whatsoever against the president? Yeah, I I asked him that question straight up. What about the peripheral stuff? The uh, the question of obstruction of justice. Can the president? Can the president of the United States? Can he obstruct justice as a legal matter? So, um, have to defer to uh, Professor Dershowitz on that. He's he's written extensively to say no. There's a legal theory going around that the president actually can't be charged with obstruction of justice. Like even if he did it. The president can't obstruct justice because he has the right to fire the FBI director and he has ultimate pardon power. He can fire him for any reason he wants. And I asked him, I said, what do you make of that? Um, I haven't actually explored that because the facts don't require it. Because it's just you just think the firing of Comey or whatever conversations he's had, it, it doesn't even reach the bar that you need to even worry about it. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And he, he expressed, like, real confidence in the underlying fact, not just the legal argument that the president can't be charged with obstruction. He seemed really confident in the, the fact that the president didn't obstruct justice. He wasn't even going to try to split legal hairs. Jared Kushner and Don Jr. have talked publicly about this idea that what looks, what maybe came off as suspicious or unusual during the transition or the campaign was actually just a function of well-intentioned, politically naive or politically inexperienced people in a new situation that they didn't anticipate being in. If you are a sort of anti-Trump Democrat, that sounds like a convenient excuse. Um, What's your take on that? Well, I think if you're anti-anybody, Whatever they say about something that didn't go well sounds like a convenient excuse. Um, I think that's actually sort of one of the problems today, which is, you know, nobody can go, oh, I get it. That was, you know, that was a faux pas, not a, you know, intentional conspiracy. It sounds like Tykov's argument, and it may not be formalized or ever articulated, is that the president may have hired some not great people who exercised some not great judgment, but there's no high-level multifaceted conspiracy here to work with Russia. Yeah, that that is absolutely the case. And so Ty Cobb comes in and he has this strategy. And he says, I, I, I know Bob Mueller. I, I've done cases like this before. If we have nothing to hide, we, we turn over the documents, we make everybody available, and that's how we get out from under this. Matt, why do you think that the top lawyer for the president in this investigation would ever talk on the record to the New York Times. It sounds like you've known him for a really long time, which may be one reason why he agreed to do it. But do you have any read on why now he's willing to do this? Well, Michael, I'm a persuasive and charming person. No doubt. But but nobody does that. Nobody goes on the record on a podcast in the middle of an investigation simply because of my 
Wiles. <laughs> Look, Ty Cobb, obviously, his posture here is cooperation, nothing to hide. And they feel good about how this goes for the president in the end. And I think this is part of showing the public that we don't have anything to hide. Matt, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so it was great being with you. Thanks. On Monday morning, Paul Manafort was indicted by the special counsel, along with his longtime business associate, Rick Gates. Manafort was charged with illegally funneling millions of dollars through overseas shell companies and surrendered to federal authorities. Here's what else you need to know today. More than a month after Hurricane Maria struck Puerto Rico and ravaged its electrical grid, most of the island still remains without power, and a small Montana-based company that was awarded a contract to rebuild the island's electrical infrastructure has come under intense scrutiny. On Friday, FEMA expressed, quote, significant concerns about how the company, Whitefish Energy, won the $300 million contract. Whitefish is based in the hometown of Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke and had just two full-time employees when the storm hit. And on Sunday, the governor of Puerto Rico called on the island's power authority to cancel its contract with Whitefish. Later in the day, the power authority said it had done so. That's it for The Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. See you tomorrow. With no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, and an app that lets you bank anytime, anywhere, choosing Capital One is like the easiest decision in the history of decisions. That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC.